<laughs> it's ultimate life unlock to say that I get to do what I love every single day and actually mean that. I don't know if you're going to see this voice memo, but I thought I was happy. Are, are you happy? I'm not happy at all. The question is, are you happy? I'm the happiest I've ever are been right now. P.S. Be the person who you'd want to meet because somebody needs you. Welcome to Are You Happy? The Happy Hour. All right, so welcome everyone to the Are You Happy podcast. This is Are You Happy Hour with our guest, Zachary Traxler. How are you, Zach? I'm great. How are you, Vanessa? I'm doing good. So let's say that we were taking a small stroll around your town where you live right now. What's it like there and where do you live? Uh, I am in Columbus, Ohio. Um, right now, it is in the 90s and humid, but uh, every, everything is bustling down in what we call the short north. So that's where like all the rooftop bars are, um, kind of the patio bars. A lot of the bar businesses got to build out patios due to COVID over the last two years. So it's it's pretty pretty busy down there. Um, uh, and then kind of in the, the the suburbs all around Columbus, which are really big uh they all have splash pads now and they have live music playing so they turn the splash pads off and it's like a outdoor kind of auditorium area in most of these neighborhoods it's really cool um so that's normally what's going on and are you from the columbus area uh no i've i've lived here since the early 2000s um but i was actually raised in athens ohio and i'm from northern kentucky lewis county kentucky I'm sorry, from Kentucky going to Ohio, what took you to these areas? Yeah, totally. So um, my grandfather actually owns our family trust tree farm in northern Kentucky, um, Griffin Hollow. Uh, and it's uh, Traxler Farms is actually what it's registered as. And and he won, him and his partner, Lori, won uh, tree farmer of the year in the state of Kentucky last year, but, so which is really cool. Um, but he... Uh, he bought that farm 40 years ago. Um, my mom, well, that's where we were born and raised. And then when we were like five, I think we moved to Athens, Ohio, because my mom was working nonprofit at the time. So she took a job in Athens, Ohio. Um, and then in, in high school, I had the opportunity to move to Columbus, uh, following my mom who took a career job up here running a, an international nonprofit. And um, my twin brother actually stayed in Athens uh, with where my stepdad stayed down there with him. My brother was class president, so uh, he had a lot going on at Athens High School. Uh, I went to Whetstone High School, and I got selected to be a, a student at Fort Hayes Metropolitan Education Center um, my junior and senior year of high school in the commercial art program, which was student, kind of gearing students to get high dollar scholarships from prestigious art schools. So uh, I was after that. Um, and that's how I ended up in Columbus. Uh, I did go to Fort Hayes uh, and graduate with honors in commercial art. And I ended up going to CCD briefly uh, for photography as my major. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was my early education history. <laughs> so I'm curious to hear about this farm back when you were growing up. A lot of us don't have, you know, any life experience on a farm. So in your early younger years, what was it like being on a farm? 
So uh, it's a tree farm, actually. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not a, it's a livestock farm or an ag farm or anything like that. They don't, they don't grow like crops or anything. Um, it's a timber stand, uh, timber stand improvement farm. So a TSI farm sanctioned by the U.S. Forest Service. But to, to say growing up there, it was it was crazy. Uh, you know, I learned how to work on combustion engines at a very young age, learned how to change tires. We learned a lot about you know, the nature and what, what's, uh, you know, dangerous bears, snakes, that kind of stuff. Learned a lot, <laughs> learned how to be a Renaissance man and kind of a jack of all trades for sure. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. It sounds like there was a lot of practical experience, but even some, you know, really good survival experience and things that you could apply toward your later life. Of, of all the things you learn, are there any particular memories that stand out uh, that really had an impact on your life growing up? My mom loves Thanksgiving. You cannot miss Thanksgiving with my mom and it is the best Thanksgiving ever. And I don't think, I honestly don't know if I missed a Thanksgiving with her ever. And if I did, shame on me. What was it exactly about Thanksgiving that, that made her say, hey, you have to be here every Thanksgiving? I don't know if she necessarily said we had to be there actually, but like it was, it, it's like her house transformed like from the, the second the line in the kitchen ended the beginning of the dining room to the rest of the house became on the, that same floor of the house became the dining room. I mean, she would have banquet tables, you know, eight person banquet tables wrapping from dining room into the living room, down in through living room, the sunroom would be cleared out and that's where all the kids would sit like, you know, so, um, and then we always had, you know, my uncles would come and I'd bring my guitar and, and you know, my my godfathers would be there or anybody in our family that was a musician would roll on through like throughout the night. So like we'd start eating at four or five or start our dinner at four or five and we'd be playing music till two o'clock in the morning because as soon as left first person got up from the table that knew how to play, they'd pick up a guitar or a banjo or whatever, a mandolin and start picking. It was really cool. That is so, awesome. Are yeah. there any particular songs that sound out in your, or anything that you played repeatedly? Like John Prine, anything John Prine, particularly Paradise. I mean, that song too is what I've been working on uh, myself as part of my physical therapy and speech therapy because I'm recovering from a pretty bad car accident a couple of years ago. So Tom Petty, you know, any of the old classics, my family also, my, one of my, I say I multiple godfathers because I don't have godfathers like in the sense of the, the church. Um, but I had, th you know, three, four men in my life that were basically fathers. Uh, and one of them happened to be Dick Smith, who is the drummer of McGuffey Lane. So, you know, any popular music from the seventies, eighties, you know, those guys played live, you know, every night of the year, pretty much. And they came camping with us. And so that's the stuff that we learned. Uh, it was really cool. Yeah. That sounds amazing to have more than one godfather. Yeah. So, I mean, like I have my grandfather, he's 81, 82. Phil, he, he runs a tracks of farmer Griffin hollow down in Kentucky. Um, and he's in college. He's in school for AutoCAD. I mean, he's still working, you know, seven days a week. It's pretty crazy. So, um, and then, you know, his, his best friends, um, Michael Daniels, he's since passed. Um, he was called the wizard in our family. He's a really cool guy. Um, but he was a painter. He was also a storyteller, traveler, a well-educated man. Um, and then uh, Ray Huffman, he's a Vietnam vet. 
he's um you know he's my utilitarian godfather he taught me how to use guns and and hunt and uh you know fix stuff out camping on the train that kind of stuff and then um uh fred fred bait um he lives down in kentucky he's a he's a he's just you know a a great dad figure always there very sensible man loving man um farmer too um different farmer though ag farmer um and then uh also a vet um and then eric miller is more of like my spiritual godfather he owns um him and his partner saffron own a company called mini moons and they travel the world nepal and such you know collecting treasures and um spreading uh really good spiritual like mentorship um so it's been a really good guide in my life so mm-hmm. so all of yeah. these men were they friends of the family or people that you just happened to meet along the way yeah they were work? they were all they've all they all originated as like really good friends of my grandfather mm-hmm. and why was the yeah. wizard called the wizard what's that the wizard uh godfather yeah, the wizard. why why was he called the wizard um, well, so actually, so like a magical man, like, uh, you know, he, sorry, my cat just jumped into my area. I'm sorry. Um, the wizard, he, uh, you know, he, he was a storyteller. He actually wore a robe and carried like glass beads, like, you know, like glass pebbles that different colored pebbles around. And he would, you know, he would tell stories like, but he, he'd make them up. And like, so he'd get to know you as a child for instance, and he would get to know uh, my twin brother and I and know that we like to play in the creek and, and naked, albeit because we were just nature boys and like crawl dad fishing or whatever. And this is when we were like three or four and like, you know, he saw us growing up. So then, you know, when we were seven or eight camping, he would tell stories and they would be of the travels of these two magical twins and um, their adventure battling, um, you know, river creatures or something like that, you know, and like just really mindful um very eccentric stories you know the the other thing is like we have a cool like tribe in our family and we go camping together and stuff and so he would be you know at the campgrounds with us and uh and you know it would just be a nice treat to to have that kind of uh father figure around um all the way up until when i grew up because he actually officiated my wedding um and wrote you know, a great story about my then at the time wife and I, that was definitely like a fairy tale, but it was, you know, he learned about both of us from our parents. Um, He obviously knew a lot about me, but he, he, in a very short time called um, my, my ex-wife's mom and and dad and learned about her and her siblings and learned a lot about her and her childhood and and wove a really beautiful story together. And, and um, you know, my, daughter got to meet him my son really didn't get to meet him um but you know his magic is still around in the family and people still talk about him which is great everybody talks about him all of our cousins everybody does um so it's really cool yeah so it sounds like you were super fortunate to have both you know a traditional and a non-traditional experience growing up um, oh totally yeah your- because on uh, my dad's side i had a very more uh, not true. I mean, yes, a very traditional in the sense of family. Um, you know, my grandparents were Jewish um, and my dad uh, got remarried or married and, and very Catholic. And so very traditional family on that side of the family. 
Going forward with your life, you mentioned that there was a car accident and it sounded like it was a pretty, um, pretty impactful incident. Can you go over that as to what happened there? Yeah. So this is crazy. So this is where um, the whole story kind of 180. So cool, beautiful childhood and past. A lot happened um, from, let's say, 2008, nine, um, all the way to uh, 2020. So uh, August, end of August, 2020, I actually fell asleep at the wheel of my truck and flipped it end over end. Um, I, I had a passenger who walked out unscathed amazingly um i however was obviously driving my seat bro- seat mounts broke send the driver's seat in the back seat as the truck flipped the ceiling caved in and i broke almost all of my ribs fractured my face my nose broke my right tibia ruptured my spleen i believe um and got serious conc- uh, tbis uh and brain contusions mm-hmm. um and then from there i was you know i was in the hospital for three four days and then was out of the hospital and um, lived behind a hospital, actually a different hospital, a really nice hospital um, at the time and woke up one morning and there was blood everywhere. And so my parents took me back to the hospital. I was in the hospital for a few more days. Um, But yeah, uh, in all of that, um, I then like atrophied on the right side of my body. So um, it's where you lose movement. and so I had to learn how to walk again and I, you know, learn, I learned how to play guitar again, learn how to really use the, all the strength in my right arm. I don't have full strength back in my right hand. So when I flex my hands rapidly left and right at the same time, my right hand slows down very fast. Um, and then I also suffer for tremors, mm-hmm. um, which are, they can't really diagnose those. So they can't treat tremors. They're, um, uh, you know, a result of my TBIs. Um, but, and then obviously I had to kind of learn how to emphasize talking or work on my speech uh, a lot and memory a lot. Um, there's a huge chunk of my memory missing, which really is unfortunate. Um, but uh, also through all that and leading up to it, um, I actually, uh, you know, was abusing alcohol and some drugs uh, for a couple of years before that. I wasn't um, under the influence at the time when I fell asleep, luckily. But I, I, uh, you know, that changed my life. You know, a lot changed. I, as a result of that accident and COVID, I decided to close my company. I had a very large printing company on an NCAA brand that I just bought from Canada and, and moved to the United States um, and was going through a divorce. Um, you know, so there was a lot going on in my life when that happened and it was a big change to jump from working 100 110 hour weeks to nothing um and that's actually how i found are you happy um was laying in bed scrolling through tiktok for the first well for the first time really and and are you happy i found very small but beautiful account (laughs) and here i am um the uh, i guess like the experience with drinking and 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 using different drugs uh did did that happen? I'm sorry. Did the accident happen as a result of that? No. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, no. And yes. I mean, what happened was is I uh, was partying nonstop for like the thir- two or three days before that accident. And I returned to Columbus um, and I went to, went to sleep in my, my house uh, and my roommate at the time was one of my business partners in another company. And we woke up Monday, I think it was a Monday and we woke up at like, 
seven or eight o'clock, had a meeting 20, 30 minutes away on the other side of town. And uh, just so again, we were inebriated the days before, leading up to it, um, not no sleep and, and drinking a lot. And uh, so I, I crashed at home and drank some water and ate, probably ate some food and jumped. I really don't have any memory that, which right. sucks. This is all just kind of told me. Uh, I, but I, you know, I, I do remember getting home, going to sleep, eating something. I think it was ramen, going to sleep. Um, and I remember waking up and going like, oh, crap. Well, some exploitatives and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and waking up my business partner and, and jumping and roommate and jumping on the truck. And, and, and I remember vaguely like being on 670 East. And, uh, after that is it, you know, um, I remember after that waking up one time in my house and, uh, and then the other time kind of getting carried in, in or out of my house. And I can't remember because I was actually moving into a new apartment in the middle of all of that. So mm. it was pretty insane. <laughs> well, we're certainly glad that you are here. Yeah, yeah I'm totally glad. glad yeah. <laughs> and and that, yeah. you know, that your life led you to this particular path, whether it's, you know, in your work that you do today or with Are You Happy? Um, when you were in the hospital and, and going through, you know, physical therapy and then, and then getting out of that, I guess, what was it uh, that happened for you in addition to, you know, whether it's seeing TikTok videos that uh, inspired you to start your steps into moving into what you do now? Yeah, totally. So um, actually, so I was in the hospital, you know, collectively like seven days. And then after that, I was immediately at home. So, um, you know, physical, physical therapy didn't start for, for a little while, like a week or two, maybe a little bit longer, um, till after my accident because I had to heal some, but, um, you know, I, I went from being a prominent business owner in Columbus, Ohio, um, employing, you know, dozens of people and being a public speaker for Facebook and Instagram to, um, kind of almost a vegetable, uh, and lost because, you know, I'm a very extroverted eccentric person, but I'm also a person that knows my love language and that's words of affirmation. And so to be kind of cut off from the world, um, completely plus COVID going on, um, you know, it, it, it forced me to look to, you know, social media to connect with people. Um, and that was there and it was great, but like TikTok was really cool. Cause it was new to me. I was on it before, but not very much. And that's where I found, are you happy? And like, it just sucked me in. And it was like the raw kind of interaction with a stranger. Like I can do that. Um, and like me also waking up and realizing that I, I force interaction with myself every day as being a CEO of multiple companies. And so like having that go away again, whether the interaction was with my employees or with my customers, I didn't have that anymore. I had the interaction with my roommate and that was it and my family, which was great. Like my support group was amazing, but like, and so I needed a reason to get out. And so uh, that's why, you know, when I saw the opportunity to join the community on discord uh, and, and be a part of Are You Happy is that when I, when I could walk again, I was like, for sure going to do that. And, um, and, and, you know, the opportunity has, has just gone from there to, uh, working with are you happy or happy productions, which is awesome too. Um, and like, I, I look like as, as I don't know how to say this. Um, 
as shown before in my work with Traxler Printing and Bruiser and all of my other companies, that when I start something and give it, you know, my attention, I give it my 100%. I'm not a person that says 110% or 150% because that doesn't exist. It's like we have 100% or we don't. And so like, I give it my 100%. And so when, after my first, you know, two or three, are you happy interviews and my first few no's, that like giving me a no is like, telling me to go harder because I used to be a door-to-door salesman and I love no's because it was like law of average, law of average. Somebody's going to say, yes, I just got to find you. And so like, that's, you know, this, all of this is, is beautiful (laughs) asking the person the question, but then it's also beautiful getting to know the person after the interview, because what everybody doesn't see on TikTok is that, you know, the interaction post interview is, is usually longer than the interview, at least in my case. So Mm-hmm. And so what is it inside you that pushes you to to go hard like that or to give 100%? Is it something that is based on your life experience overall or is it just something innate? Like what, if you could pinpoint that, what is it? Hmm. Um, to give it my all, what is it? You know, it's like, it goes back to chopping wood. It's like, we know we're here to chop wood, but... Um, after Thanksgiving growing up from pretty much any, from my childhood, I can remember on and being away from the farm and into my teens, um, we went back to the farm to chop firewood because my grandfather always heated with the farmhouse, um, and the wood shop with firewood, but he needed help. So, and he had good labor in the family and that was my, my twin brother and I, and, uh, my cousins, we'd go down and, uh, and, uh, chop firewood and, every year we'd learn something and we'd learn something different about the mechanics of, you know, how we work together, but then we'd learn about efficiency and like, you know, becoming more efficient at chopping the firewood so that we could chop more firewood and we could, you know, stay warm. Um, you know, and that, those, those lessons carry on to my life now. And maybe that's why I am actually considered a, you know, a, a lean efficiency expert in manufacturing warehousing because, I have always looked at, you know, the process and gone, how can we make it easier to get from point A to point B? And that was easy with firewood. Like I wanted to get from the beginning of the stack to the end of the stack as fast as possible, because the faster we were done, the you know faster we could be inside eating and warm. So mm-hmm. <laughs> when I say chopping firewood, it's not to say that like, I love chopping firewood, but I liked it. And so like, but I wanted, I was, it was a game to me. It was once a year that I had the opportunity to see how efficient I could make chopping firewood, how good I can make it, how better I could do it for myself and everybody else. And so like this, every time I go out and get interviews, I'm like, how can I make this easier interaction for me, but also a pleasant interaction for the other person. And then from there, it just becomes fluid and efficient. And that's how I'm able to, you know, on the production side, just crush it, you know, daily, honestly. So, um, it's, it's really fun. Like, you know, I, I have nothing to lose either with a no. So like, then I'm just, there's another person standing behind them that I can ask. And like that person might be having a good day. They might be having a bad day and they might just want to talk, you know, and that's 
that's cool. All of those things. So, mm-hmm. And just to add some context for our listeners that aren't familiar with you or with Are You Happy, Are You Happy has a docuseries on social media and you are one of the creators that goes out and interviews people asking them, are you happy? Now, you've also done uh, some different angles of it. You've, you've gone on to Omegle, uh, which is a platform for chatting with strangers and, and just talking to them about you know happiness and asking them, are you happy? And it's funny because I used Omegle like years ago, just you know for chatting with strangers because it was fun and so to see it now being used for are you happy on your social media i thought that was really interesting uh what made yeah. you think to use that platform and what have you, totally. what have you seen um thus far as far as your experience all right so i'm actually i'm currently unemployed um i start a teaching career in august as a graphic design and printing teacher at Four Hayes, where I went to high school, actually, in the same MEC program, Metropolitan Education program that I was in, in the 2000s. Um, and, uh, but until then, I don't have a job. And so really, I'm actually, so although I'm unemployed right now, uh, and can't wait to start my new job, I'm busy during the day, actually, um, creating other content for TikTok. And so that's eating up my opportunities to really ask more are you happy interviews throughout the day um or a week and i also like spending my time with my kids even though my kids have now started to ask me like hey will you interview somebody we want to see and it's really funny um so i'm thinking about doing that soon um but i i also have a bit of insomnia there's a problem with my brain in that like it fatigues at different times than my body does and so I could, my body could be completely exhausted, but I'd be completely awake and it's kind of like insomnia, but like, and so I'm going to use that time effectively. And so I just go down to my computer and I've set up my living room nice um, and have nice uh, webcam. And I started recording interactions on Omegle asking people, are you happy? Um, I think I've got probably 10, maybe edited. Um, I need to record a bunch more, but the problem with Omegle is the law of averages on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's completely the inverse of talking to people with strangers in person. Um, so I think for every probably 50 um, interactions on Omegle, because uh, a lot of people skip rapidly, but every 50 of those, you probably talk to one person. Mm-hmm. And of that, maybe maybe half of those. So maybe one in 100 people want to actually interview um, on Omegle, but it's really cool uh, when they do. So, is there a particular interaction on Omegle that stands out? Yeah. So one of the first ones I did, um, one of the first ones, first two I did actually. There was a dude. Um, he's got long hair and a ball cap on, and he was just awesome. He was like, "What's up, dude?" And he was like, he was straight vibe, and that's like the person I was hoping to run into on Omegle, and it was like literally the very first one I recorded, um, and then. The the second one is like somebody's you can't see their face. Um, her dad had COVID, but just the one thing that the one well, are you happy? And and the interaction with and reporting with people has taught me a lot. Um, because I like to talk. Uh, I've really realized that I like to talk about how mindful I am too, but then I'm not a very mindful person when I'm talking to someone. I talk over people a lot and I'm learning how not to do that. And, and honestly, part of that is like being um, like pretty real, like just honest about that. And, uh, and so what 
what well, the first few rounds of feedback I got from you um, and, you know, the community on my uh, Are You Happy TikTok interviews was that, like, I need to just shut up. <laughs> and so, like, you know, Omegle, I'm sitting here on camera looking at myself, which is really helping me realize how I'm interacting with the person. And so that's really helping me and train me to be a better person in the field. Um, it's pretty, it's quite amazing actually. So, um, you know, I don't know, I could, and uh, I don't know, it's just, it's like, it's, it's also, I don't feel rushed for some reason when I'm talking to someone on Omegle versus out in the field. I feel like I'm definitely interrupting a person in front of me's day when I'm out physically in the field, you know, interviewing them versus Omegle. They're on here to talk with strangers. That's what they're here for. So you're kind of connecting at a different place. So. Yeah, it's definitely a different kind of response that you you seem to be getting uh, on Omegle versus in person. But uh, ultimately, the the people that you're interviewing in person, they're they said yes, you know, so they're they're more than open to receiving whatever questions you have for them. So I'm sure you know that they're they're just as well. Oh yeah, there. the quality of the interview definitely is not great compared to talking to a stranger. I mean. I say, you know, for every 10, the only 10 that I have um, really edited and posted at this point, uh, I would say three or four of them were really like, I mean, the person was like into the conversation, you know, the other ones like were just having the conversation to have the conversation versus the, the ones I'm talking about, you know, um, they're really kind of they're really thinking the other thing is that i edit those interviews down from four or five minutes to mm -hmm. you know 90 60 45 60 90 seconds so um you're missing a lot of the time where that person is really just sitting there being with themselves so that's really cool and so looking back um, at, at all of your life this far from start to current, are there any additional life experiences that you just kind of ache to share with people, but, but that you don't get a chance to? That I beg to share with people, but I don't get a chance to. Um, you know, I because it's so new and like I just went through it, you know, this is my chance to share you know, what I just went through, you know, I went through a serious addiction to alcohol, cocaine, and then later ketamine, um, for no reason. Uh, and that really destroyed my life. I had a multi-million dollar company with dozens of employees, happy employees. Our tension rate was insane. Um, we were one of the top printing and manufacturing companies in the United States. And, uh, I just, like I said, I just bought the, one of the top NCAA knitwear brands uh, out of Canada, moving in the United States. And I just pulled the rug from underneath my feet and was like, I don't <laughs> apparently particularly care for rugs and threw it right in the dumpster. And, uh, you know, I've had to rebuild my entire life, my, you know, my relationship with my children, um, my family, you know, I've, I've gotten to remember and know my mom and uh, my twin brother. I spent a lot of time with him. He's got daughter, twin, identical twin daughters. My identical twin brother, believe it or not, has identical twin daughters. That's crazy. As far as uh, you know, my addictions and stuff. It's um, I, I never want to sound braggadocious um, when I talk about 
that I don't have triggers. I, um, you know, I worked my butt off for 10 years to get to myself, eight years to get to myself to the point where I bought, you know, into an NCAA brand. Actually, I was hired to run an NCAA brand and um, I was, and I was at conferences and at the end of every conference day, you know, you just go out drinking, drinking is free basically. And I, you know, I, I didn't really drink ever except for in high school. And I actually did go to rehab when I was in high school. And so, um, but I realized that I didn't really have triggers. It was that given the opportunity um, to drink, you know, if I did for some reason or another, I just couldn't stop. And when I started drinking at these conferences, I'd get home from the conferences. And uh, at in the beginning, I didn't need to drink, but then I started, you know, drinking more and more at those conferences. And, I, and when I got home, I had the shakes. And so I started drinking and, and then I started using, uh, I think it was Adderall um, and just to try and focus more on my work, but that didn't work. And so then I started using cocaine and that, you know, just, I don't even want to go down the, the road of the science behind all that, but it just wasn't pretty. And, and that was very expensive. And I was hiding my drinking at home, drinking every day. And, uh, you know, that led to my separation and divorce and um, just being totally not responsible, honestly. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I gave up kind of the right to see my kids. I mean, I, I was seeing my kids, but I didn't, I wasn't in any shape to be, you know, be a custodian custodial custodial parent to those children um luckily i have my parental time back now with my beautiful children but and i share every moment with them um but you know i i you know i it's crazy to promote another podcast but crime and sports is funny it's a funny podcast by two comedians and they talk about the unfortunate demise of like all these you know superstar athletes but if you listen to any and all of the episodes that they talk about the ones that have you know, un- unfortunate ends due to alcohol and cocaine abuse. Like that was my life. And like, and it, it was, it was crazy to think that I, without the events that happened, like my accident happening and COVID happening, I, there's no way that I would have, I don't know what would have caused me to like, wake up and fix my shit. Um, mm-hmm. Excuse my French, but like, I just have to be frank. Like I, I don't know who I was. I never want to see that person again. I don't care for that stuff. Um, you know, and, uh, so it's really, it's, it's to say it's easy for me to not to do all that stuff. You know what? It is really easy for me to say it is easy for me not to do that stuff. It is very easy for me not to think about drinking or using any of those drugs, um, to the point that in my recovery in the hospital, I did not use, or after my exit from the hospital, I did not use any painkillers. Um, or opioids or anything like that in my recovery. I've only used cannabis medication um, since the day I got out of the hospital for everything from, from salves to, um, you know, vapor edibles are the best for my, my tremors, honestly. Um, So, and I've, I've really worked that down from hundreds of milligrams a day to ease my pain. I mean, hundred, maybe thousand milligrams a day to, you know, maybe 10, 20, which is great. Um, so, and I like to be, you know, I like to, to, to talk about my sobriety, um, with, with everybody. I posted and talk about it on social media. Um, if people ask me about it, I'm there to talk about it. Um, and at, be an advocate for plant-based medicine and cannabis and such. One of the hardest things in my life ever was closing my company, um, and my divorce 
and uh but i wouldn't change it for anything in the world you know to be honest like um and that's because you know through after the accident i mean i i don't i haven't posted a picture of it in a while but i if you saw the truck that i drove it was a large chevy 1500 crew cab and it was crushed down to the size of an a small suv um and the fact that i'm alive is absolutely insane um so thank you chevy and gm if you're listening to this um appreciate your engineering um because it's it's crazy like and 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 the other thing is like i needed i needed all this i needed something to take it all away and tell me to shut up and and just be present because i i I just didn't walk the talk and and it was time for me to to to, to shut up and walk first and then I can talk. And, and I'm finally at the point where I can talk again. And it's great. So it seems almost like a literal crashing of things to a halt and you rebuild. Oh, absolutely. Complete yes. Rebuilding and it's inspiring. Yeah. I'd like to go over a few questions actually that's based off of um, inside the actor studio, the questionnaire that he um, goes through on the show, which is a questionnaire from, uh, Bernard Pivot, and it's inspired by Proust. So I just want to ask some of those questions, if that's okay. Cool. What is your favorite word? Kismet. Kismet is not to be have a non cliche word, but everybody uses like you know the. I guess I don't, I'm trying to remember what the other words are because I've worked so hard to not remember those words and forget them. You know, it's like people think of like Godwinks or synergies or um, man, I'm trying to think like deja vu, that kind of thing. Like I'm sure those all like, I mean, they're all real or whatever and they have an existence and a person's purpose, but like kismet is like the most beautiful word of, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a noun and it's, direct meaning is destiny and fate and like i feel like my life is uh, just a series of kismet events like um from my you know you know i was it's hard for me because it's like it's both destiny and fate in the sense that like i lived in athens and i met so-and-so in athens but then i moved to columbus and i re-met them but and there was a reason why we met again at that time in that place um just, I mean, the great example is like, I'm with my, my partner, Michelle and I, um, you know, we started dating uh, kind of around the beginning of COVID and like, she lived in, you know, a different part of Columbus, Grandview, and I lived in Clintonville. And then through a series of unfortunate events, we decided to spend some time apart. Um, but then, and then those certain and unfortunate events, I got into my accident and um, and we weren't talking and she moved from Grandview back to the neighborhood Clintonville. And I moved from one part of Clintonville back into the kind of heart of Clintonville. And I was like sitting outside, definitely had a cast on my leg. I think it was one of the few times I drugged myself out of the basement dwelling we lived in up the stairs to the outdoors. And like, I heard, I want to say I heard the kid, like kid laughing that was like familiar, but not. And then I looked and I could hear a voice that was definitely familiar. And it was her walking by with her daughter. Hmm. And I was like, what in the world? And, uh, and, and we started talking again. And like, I think 
again, my memory is foggy because of the TBIs, but like, I think right around after that, I got my cast off. And the first thing I did was go on a walk with her and come to find out she moved literally a block and a half away from me, a, a street south of me and just a block or two east. And, and we, we started walking and talking again and we kind of rekindled our relationship and, and started it anew. Um, and I really needed that. And, and she did too, I think. And, and, and on our walks, I kept walking by her apartment again, right up the street from mine. And I saw that right in her kind of fourplex of townhouses, there was the one on the far East was up for rent. And this sign in the front yard actually got snowed over and it, and it disappeared. So I thought it got rented out, but come to find out it didn't. And I really didn't like living with a roommate and I needed to move out because I wanted to see my kids again and I needed space for them. So I rented this apartment right next to her. So we are in the same complex of um, <laughs> townhouses. I'm on the East and she's on the West. And uh, that's all kismet though. Like all of that is kismet. That's, that's the long answer for my, my love of the word kismet. So what is your least favorite word? My least favorite word. I mean, I would say dishonest. I've had to personally just overcome a, a metric load of dishonesty from myself in my past. I wasn't always the most honest person. And um, I like to say that I'm a very completely 100% truly authentic person now. And uh, I come from an honest place, but I guess dishonesty, dishonest. What sound or noise do you love? Do I love? What sound or noise? I love my children's laughter. Um, I love that I now get to wake up at least once a week now, at least once a week to my children um, and their voices and laughter is beautiful. What sound or noise do you not love? Well, this is great. I don't know what it's called. Um, this is funny you asked this. Um, wow. So uh, my mom and, and this is something that I'm learning actually to, I'm learning that I don't actually have this um, disorder or whatever. But I guess I know that there are people that like can absolutely not stand when people crunch or their food or hit their teeth on their silverware. But my mom actually suffers from whatever that is. And I've thought my entire life that I also suffer from that. But as I'm beginning to really learn myself um, and to really learn to love my partner, Michelle, um, is that I'm not comfortable always correcting her when her teeth hit the fork or spoon because that's how she eats and that's how she's ate her entire life but i've grown up thinking that that really grinds my gears or whatever or gets under my skin it's like nails on chalkboard but it's not you know and so although it does bother me um now currently that is a noise that i cannot stand um i'm learning to wean myself away from that actual thought and just be with the fact that the food's delicious and i have the most beautiful company in the world What's a profession other than your own that you would like to attempt? Other than my own. So um, <laughs> this goes back to my, uh, my identical twin brother and my grandfather. So they're actually both kind of arborist master woodworkers. And so I would love to learn their profession. Um, but right now I'm just going to 
this part of my life, this phase of my life, I'm just going to be in the moment with them when I am with them and use my skills uh, um, as a photojournalist to kind of tell their story through that. So I can't wait to get down the farm with both of them again um, and, and share all that together. Because we, we've kind of grown apart for the last, you know, 16 years, which is really hard. So, but we're coming back together. It's beautiful. And if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well, if I made it there, I guess then, I guess hopefully he would thank me for not wasting this, the multiple second and third chances he's given me at my life, my go at life. Yeah. That's a great response. Um, I don't want to go over all of the questions. I just wanted to go over a small few. And then I polled our community online, asking them what questions they want to ask you. So we have just a few for you. So Eric sure. from Dallas asked, when you're filming, uh, what would you say gets you most into your aura while filming? Most into my aura. Um, I, I actually film best at, any place that's got trees taller than the nearest building, <laughs> if that makes sense. So, um, you know, we have some beautiful parks here in Columbus. We've got Goodale Park downtown. It's like 30-something acres. Um, it's got really big trees. So if I can't see a big building and I like kind of remove myself from the fact that I am in a major metropolitan area, you know, that's when I can really kind of tunnel vision into – the person I'm interacting with. So, mm -hmm. and so I also thought it would be interesting to visit Omegle and it's been years. And I asked some questions there trying to find someone to ask you a question did take a couple tries, but I got one. So John from Omegle asked, did photography or photojournalism start as a job or as a passion? The, the intent was to start as a job. It started as a passion. Uh, my dad is actually, so I always wanted to be kind of like my dad. And so he was always taking pictures and I was always curious about his camera. And then my grandpa always had cameras. And then my grandpa gave me a, a Pentax, uh, I think K1000. And uh, from there, it just, I just never put one down. So passion. <laughs> now it's a profession again. So it's great. So would you say then that you get to live your passion every day for your work? And is it just completely gratifying for you? Oh my God, this is crazy. So it's, it's so crazy that I went from owning my own business that I built from the basement in Glenville, you know, 10 years, well now 12 years ago to a multi-million dollar company with a bunch of employees. And I got to support the community and proper causes across the globe uh, to give that up, then to need to have a reason to get up and talk to people and find, are you happy as that reason? And then from there, have a, an opportunity to freelance and add happy productions and create other content and other style interviews, you know, everything from portraiture to the video interviews. Um, and then those combined to then it kind of igniting this want to, for more on Omegle. I've never had like that. That's really cool. <clears throat> and then now I'm like really excited to start this, uh, teaching gig you know it's, it's all kismet it's all crazy and like i 
you know, just to sit here and talk about it all at once, this is the first time I've really all framed the last two years of my life up in one candid conversation with someone. And it's all, it's crazy. It's awesome. It's beautiful. Um, it's definitely been hard. I wouldn't change anything for anything in the world though. And like, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's ultimate life unlock to say that I get to do what I love every single day and actually mean that. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. The Are You Happy Hour and Are You Happy Hotline are brought to you by Are You Happy Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media such as Instagram and subscribe via your favorite podcast platform. Are You Happy? The docuseries can also be found on social media such as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. See you guys next time for another wonderful episode of Are You Happy? The Happy Hour.